Mark 11, verse 12. I want to talk about the fig tree. (coughs) Now, the next day, when he had come, as in Jesus and his disciples, out from Bethany, and Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he'd find something on it. Understand, a fig tree is a big tree. All right, when Jesus is looking at a fig tree here, he's looking at, I mean, to give you an idea, there's a, thanks, Ben, there's a fig tree in, I think it's Argentina, that's called the Fig Tree Restaurant. And there's actually a full restaurant underneath the tree. That's how big a fig tree is. Okay? So don't think maybe fig trees you've seen around here that are little sticks with a couple of figs on them. They're big trees. All right? So Jesus sees this tree, and it's got lots of leaves on it. As he went to see it, perhaps he'd find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem, and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying, It is written, is it not written? Sorry, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, remember? Big tree, dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you've cursed has withered away. I think it's the first time I've ever preached and stopped there on this passage. <clears throat> but I want to talk about this tree. And, and God really, it was actually this morning, God pointed this out to me and he was showing me this thing. And, and so I did some research to make sure my facts were correct. But you see, with a fig tree, it's a bit like um, my apple tree in the backyard, just slight size difference since my apple tree comes up to my knees. Well, maybe it's slightly taller. (coughs) But you see, the fig tree, when it it grows fruit, what it does is it grows its fruit and its leaves at the same time. And the idea of the leaves is that they, they spread out and they actually protect the fruit. So they help the fruit to grow and mature and give it just the right amount of sunlight, but if it gets too much sunlight, it'll burn the fruit. So it protects it. An apple tree does the same thing. Right? They, they grow their fruit, the fruit starts to sprout, and the leaves grow around to protect the fruit. So if a fig tree is in full leaf, that means it's in full fruit. Okay, They grow together. So Jesus had a right to expect that if this fig tree was full of leaves, it had to have fruit on it. But it wasn't. It was barren. It was an unfruitful tree. It produced all the signs that looked like it produced one magnificent fruit. But when Jesus got there, in reality, there was nothing but leaves. It was pretending. It was playing the game. And so Jesus curses the tree because the tree is barren. It's producing leaves, but it's not producing fruit. And then he goes into the temple and he's showing an illustration here in the temple because in the temple there's a lot of activity going on. There's all this stuff going on, 
but none of it is producing fruit. What's happening is that the leaders of the temple have got this great system going. Well, they thought so. Where you would come into the temple and you couldn't bring in your ordinary money. You had to change your money over to temple money. You couldn't just bring your tithe. You had to change it over the temple tithe. And you see, there were sacrifices that were required to do throughout the year. And in those sacrifices, you had to either bring a dove or bring a lamb or whatever was appropriate for the sacrifice you were doing. But that sounded this simple where you couldn't bring this whole system, where you couldn't bring your dove, you couldn't bring your own lamb, you had to use one of their ones because it was better and it was made for that situation. But you see, where you might pay, you know, $5 for a lamb out on the street, you'd pay $15 for a lamb in the temple because it was the right kind of lamb. And then they do an exchange rate where your $5 actually wasn't really worth $5. It was maybe worth $2.5 because you were doing this exchange rate into temple currency. Then you had to use the temple currency to go and buy your lamb. So your $15 lamb cost you $20. So rather than paying $5 for your normal lamb out on the street and bringing that in and sacrificing it, you're paying something like $20 for the same lamb. And so they were making this huge profit. So there's a lot of activity, but there's not a lot of worship. There's not a lot of prayer. There's not a lot of fruit. And that's what the fig tree is there to show us. That the fig tree looks like it's doing the right thing, but it's not producing fruit. And I got thinking about us, how we can be like that sometimes. We can look like we're all good. We look like we're in that good place where we're looking leafy and green. We're looking wonderful. We we come into church and we do all the right things and we say all the right things and it all looks wonderful. But are we being fruitful? Are we producing fruit? So what does it look like to produce fruit? Because Jesus actually requires us to produce fruit. And he says fruit that will last. In John 15, he actually gets really, really serious about it. He says, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, every branch in me that bears fruit, I'm going to make it even more fruitful. But he says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit... I'm going to cut it off. And I'm going to chuck it out of my life. So being fruitful is actually a requirement of being attached to God. In Revelation, he uses a different illustration. He talks about being lukewarm. He says, look, I'd rather you're hot or cold. If you're hot, then you're on fire for God and you're full of me and you're being fruitful and you're you're moving forward. And that's fantastic. He says, if you're cold, you know you're cold. You know that you're outside of my kingdom and that you need me. But he says, when you're lukewarm, and I don't know about you, have you ever had that that coffee that's, that's just, it's insipid. Or maybe, maybe even like, you know, a nice glass of lemonade or Coke that's warm. See, it works both ways, doesn't it? You know, that, that drink, it's supposed to be hot or it's supposed to be cold, 
and it's just lukewarm. And it's a cold drink on a hot day and it's not cold. Or it's a cold day and you want that hot drink and it's just insipid. It doesn't do the job. The taste it leaves in your mouth is disappointing, is a letdown, and you want to spit it out. That's what God says we are when we are unfruitful, when we go through the motions, when we we put ourselves in that place where we look good on Sunday, or maybe even connect group, or we meet at this, but every other time, there's no fruit. There's no fruit. So what does fruit look like? What does it call to be fruitful? Because we have a command to be fruitful. Because the alternative, actually, we get kicked out. We get cut off. We get spat out by God himself. So this is serious. Being fruitful is a serious requirement. You see, because fruit should come naturally. You know, we talk about Basil the Branch. And Basil sits there, and if you've never seen this story, look it up on the internet. It's worth watching. But Basil's this little branch trying to produce grapes, and he sits there and he, he squeezes and he pushes all through this story to try and produce, and he can't do it. And when he relaxes back into the vine, when he abides in the vine, fruit comes naturally. And if you're looking at your life going, I'm not producing fruit, then you're not abiding in the vine. You're just being a leafy Christian. So what's fruit? Well, if you want to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, it's walking in love even with those who don't deserve love. It's having joy when there's not much to be joyful about. It's peace in the middle of turmoil. It's patience when you want it now. It's kindness to those you don't even know. It's goodness to those who don't deserve your goodness. It's faithfulness and consistency in your life, whether you're hanging out with the rest of the church on Sunday, at home or at work or at school on Monday morning. It's gentleness when all you want to do is lash out and yell or criticize and have a go. It's self-control, self-discipline, rather than letting your flesh have its way. They're the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians tells us. And when we walk in these, you see, the amazing thing is when you walk in these, you actually start to influence other people and you start to reproduce Christian fruit. A great example, I love what Dev shared before. You know, she showed kindness to somebody just because it was in her nature to show kindness. And has lunch with this lady and starts to change her life. I mean, what Deb's doing with, with, with the hub that she's got down there, all she's doing is walking in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I'm sure Deb's got challenges and things aren't always perfect. She'll tell you that. But you see, because she's abiding in God and he's abiding in her, 
the natural fruit is coming out of her and she's seeing and hearing opportunities and stepping into those, just demonstrating the fruit. And the fruit's starting to produce. And people's lives are being changed. People are being saved. People are being healed. People are being set free because she's walking in, the, in that abiding. She's not just being leafy. There's fruit. And we have to make those same choices. This is, this is real Christianity. This whole where we talk about stepping into the heavenlies, the essence of what we're talking about, if you're going, I don't get it, I don't get how to do it, the essence is abiding in Christ and letting him abide in you. That's all it is. What's abiding in him? Abiding is taking time every morning, every evening, throughout the day to talk to God in prayer. It's taking time to worship him. It's taking time to read his word. And not just, oh, I've done that and ticked that box today, but actually I am in Christ and he is in me. And I sit down and I worship him until his presence surrounds me. And I read his word until it comes alive in me. And then I pray out of that worship and I pray out of that reading the word and I pray because I pray with faith expecting that God will move. And then I listen to what he has to say. In the words of Yongi Cho, he says, I pray and then I obey. Because as I listen to what God says and he says, go and do this. It may be go to a shopping center, find this person and buy them a coffee. It may not be that. It may be something totally different for you. It may be in your workplace to say, hey, go and have lunch with that person. Or buy that person a gift. Or just go and have a chat to them and encourage them. It doesn't have to be a big complex thing. It's just abiding in Christ and him abiding in us and then going into our day, walking hand in hand with God and being the real you out there, not just the leafy Christian. Because I can tell you right now, Jesus can see under your leaves. I mean, seriously, who are Adam and Eve kidding? They sewed a bunch of leaves together so that God wouldn't see their nakedness. Really? Because there was no one else around, was there? And we do that. We think that we're hiding, that other people can't see because we've got these leaves around us and we look like we're doing all the right things. But God sees. And he looks at you and he says, be hot or be cold, please. Because I don't want to have to cut you off. But that's the price of being unfruitful. Because he says, I cut off everything that is not fruitful. I got some news for you, though. When you choose to be fruitful, he's going to prune you. It actually hurts to make a decision to say, you know what? 
I'm going to abide in Christ and let him abide in me and do what he says. Because he says, if you do that, I'm going to start cutting stuff off. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're struggling with sin and the sin keeps rising up and rising up, let me tell you how you actually defeat sin. You abide in Christ. You've got to put word in to push rubbish out. You know, if you've got a tree and it's sick and it's not healthy and you want to get it healthy, what you do is you put good stuff into it. Whatever it's missing, you put those nutrients into it and those nutrients go in and they push out the bad. That's what the Word of God does. When you abide in Him and you take His Word and you read it and you read it and you put it in, it starts to push out the rubbish and the sin from your life because it brings it all to the surface and God can deal with it and it pushes out of your life. But too often we think, I've got to get this all right to come to God. No, that's a lie of the devil. You've got to abide in him and let him abide in you. That's done through worship. I mean, I take to those, those, to you who, those of you who are rocking up late to church, you're missing the point. One of the best parts of the service is the worship from 930 because that's where we start to abide in him. And when you rock in late, what are you saying to God? I'm not getting religious about it. I'm saying, where's your hunger for God? Where's your hunger for God? I mean, we come here to meet with God together. There is power in corporate worship. It's powerful. And if you rock in late, you actually miss out on the power. Not us who are here. I don't want to condemn you. I want to challenge you. Don't just be a leafy tree. Be fruitful. You know, we talk about, we talk about hubs and starting up hubs and, and where you are being able to, to, to minister to those in your world. And people say to me, but there's nobody in my world. If there's nobody in your world, then you need to abide in Christ. Because you see, when you, when you abide in him, he changes how you see your world. And those people who you thought weren't in your world, they're in your world. And they're people that God has for you to reach out to. They're people coming across your path every day that need a miracle from him. That he's, and he in you wants to perform that miracle and we're missing it because we're not abiding in him and we can't see the chance to be fruitful. But you see, when you abide in him, when you're going, no, my first thing in the morning is to worship him, is to read his word, is to pray, he starts to open your eyes and you see the opportunity because you start to see your day through his eyes and you will see them walk through and go, here's a chance. And yes, you'll be afraid and yes, you'll be unsure and you'll think, can I do this? But the more you abide in him, the more that fruit is going to come naturally and you'll feel compelled to do it. So it's not you, it's him. We saw this, I remember in Kalgoorlie, we saw this with, with our young people. I mean, I think I've told the story a couple of times. You know, We had a bunch of 13-year-old girls. Oh, my Lord. Give me girls at any age. 
but between about 13 and 15. Maybe 10 to 15. <laughs> and these girls, we, we'd, have, we'd have youth group in our, our home on Friday night and I used to dread it. I really did. I'd spend my whole Friday sort of going, is there some way we can get around this, you know? I know, I know that you know we're on pastoral staff, and actually, this is what we're paid to do. But can we get around this anyway? <coughs> I used to love Saturday night because Saturday night we had the older guys, and they were good. Could handle them. They were they were full on for God. But these girls, man, they would come into our house, and and they'd come and have, come in from dinner about six o'clock, and they would leave about eight eight thirty, and they would just be catty and bitchy and fighty the whole time. They didn't even like each other, and it was just like. Oh, I dread these Friday nights. But we, they'd come in and we'd talk with them and we'd teach them and, and we'd share Jesus with them. You know, it was about six weeks, six to eight weeks. These girls, as the word of God got into them and they started to abide in Christ, they became different kids. They became so on fire for God they would go and get the girls that didn't like them at school and bring them to youth. They would start praying at school. They were transformed. That's what abiding in Christ will do. It wasn't anything we did. It was they had a God encounter. They got full of the Holy Spirit. They started spending time with God and it changed their whole life to the point where they would go to school and they did not care what anyone else thought. You get a 13-year-old girl who doesn't care what anyone else thinks. And that group, it just exploded. We baptized 11 people within what was about a five-week period. And there were people that, they, they would go to school and they would find somebody who was sick and say, come to youth so we can pray for you. They, they went and found the atheists so they could bring them to youth to convince them that Jesus was real. And, and they'd bring these kids in and go, come on guys, you know. They found everybody that was like totally opposite to who they were and it was like, here's a challenge for Jesus. That's what abiding in Christ will do. It produces fruit, not something you do naturally. It comes out of you spending time with God that you can't help but share who you are. And if you're sitting there going, but I don't do that, that's not me, then let me ask you, are you abiding in Christ? Or are you settling for being leafy? Do you actually sit down with God and say, hey God, what do you want me to do today? Show me who you want me to reach out to today. Are you sitting down and worshipping him until his presence surrounds you? Or is he just a quick thought sometime during your day? Are you sitting down and just reading the word until it comes alive in you? It's not just words on a page, but it's life and truth. Are you praying and not just, oh God, bless this in my life, bless that in my life, but God, I thank you for the people in my workplace and I bless them. Show me how to change their life. Lord, I bless you for those in my life that don't know you. I bless my street. 
I bless the people on this street? Or are we so focused on us and our issues and what's happening in our world that we can't see what God is doing around us? You see, that's what the guys in the temple were doing. They were building their own little kingdom. They were trying to get all they could out of God. And God, Jesus said, that's not how it's supposed to be. He said, my house, and you are his house. You are his temple. He says, my house will be a house of prayer. You are a house of prayer. You are a house of worship. You are a house of fruit for him. Are you just looking the part? Lots of activity, stuff going on. But come Monday morning, it's all gone. Or are you the tree that provides shade? The tree that provides fruit? The tree that provides life to those that God has put around you? I want to encourage you. Don't play the game. Don't play the game, it's not worth it. Abide in him. See, I mean, I can't even pray for you. We pray for you, but there's no much point in me laying hands on you, praying for you now. You have to make a choice to abide in him. See, I think too often we get people to pray for us and maybe rock in the prayer meeting, get someone to pray for us, go to connect group, get someone to pray for us, and we try and run on other people's prayers. You can't produce fruit on somebody else's prayers. You have to abide. You have to connect. Because God says, I can take you further and bigger and higher. My dream for you is bigger than you can ever imagine. But the only way we step into what he has is if we abide in him and he abides in us. The alternative is not pretty. I want to encourage you. Abide in him. Make worship a part of your life. Yes, maybe you have to get up earlier in the morning. But make worship a part of your life. Maybe you need to go to bed earlier. If you really struggle with getting up and going to bed, get yourself a Fitbit. You can actually program your Fitbit to tell you when to go to bed and get up. Do you know that? I got, I got a new one this week. I, I'm, I'm promoting Fitbit today. My other one came apart. I sent them an email saying, hey, it's coming apart. They went, no worries, and sent me a brand new one. No questions asked. I like them. So Ben got my old one. We fixed it up. <laughs> but it's got this really cool thing on it where it says, when do you normally go to bed? And you can actually put it in and it'll vibrate on your wrist and say, hey, it's time to go to bed. And then when it's time to get up, it just vibrates on your wrist and says, hey, it's time to get up and hang out with Jesus. It's a Jesus tool. So I want to encourage you. I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to feel challenged. That there is an opportunity before you. Like Jesus, like, like Dar was saying, you know, you can pray for the deaf and they'll hear. You can see people jump out of wheelchairs. But you can do that in the middle of the shopping centre. You don't have to have a big meeting to do that. Do that in the middle of a shopping centre. Do it in a restaurant. Do it in a cafe. Do it in your house. But that doesn't just happen. That comes out of abiding in him. 
in that worship with him, in that reading his word, in that praying to him and listening what he has to say and then getting up and doing what he says. That's where that comes out of. Out of that quiet place comes the fruit. And if you forsake the quiet place, you may look leafy, but you will not produce. It's in the quiet place fruitfulness comes because that's when you plug into the source and connect to it and hold on. I'm going to leave it there. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you continue to stir within us a hunger to be fruitful, a hunger to see lives changed, to see people saved, to see them healed and set free from the things that bind them and hold them back. And Lord, too often in your church we've tried to rely on, on, on each other to try and get through our own lives. We were never meant to just exist, Lord. We were meant to thrive and be fruitful to soar on wings like eagles. Lord, teach us to abide in you and to have you abide in us that we may bear much fruit and you be glorified. Forgive us, Father, where we've gone through the motions and looked like we were in that right place. Heal us from those pains and hurts that stop us pushing further into you. And Jesus, be our source. Be our life. We worship you. We choose to abide in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you. Be an abider. We're going to take communion now. This is a great place to start abiding. To cast off the old and going, you know, to actually repent before God. Forgive us for being just leafy Christians. I want to be a fruitful Christian. That as you take that bread, you are eating Christ. And he is abiding in you and you're abiding in him. It can be helpful even to do communion during the week. Every morning you can do it. You just find yourself a bit of bread and something to drink. Maybe not port's a great way to start the day. Get your coffee. But take it and take communion and say, I just want to abide in you, Christ. I want you to abide in me. Sometimes that symbolism can help us to step into him. So as we pass the bread around, take the bread. Repent before him. And take it in as taking in Jesus. Just take the drink and drink when you're ready. As you receive it, if you're ready to drink, then drink. But just drink as you're ready. The tree starts with a seed. And life starts with a seed. Do you know that? And as we get, take our tithes and offerings, our chance to sow a seed.
to give out of how God has blessed us. And it's actually an interesting thought where I know people who they pray, they read the word, they worship, and they go, I'm not seeing the breakthrough. So I say to them, how are you going with your tithing? And they go, what? That's not important. Actually, it is. Because it's about obedience. Isaiah says that the willing and obedient eat the best of the land. I find some people are willing. They're willing to do anything for God. Just don't have to ask them to be obedient. Oh, they're willing. They're willing to worship him. They're willing to do things. But when it comes to obedience, obedience is more about discipline. It's, this is what God says I have to do, so I do this. One of the things he said to us is to be obedient in our tithes and offerings. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And he says, and I'll bless you. And we cut off the blessing when we don't step into obedience of giving our tithes, of giving our offerings, of blessing others. So we need to be willing and obedient. Some people are obedient. We just click our tithes through... But there's actually not a willingness behind it. There's not faith added to it. See, when you, when you give, you're supposed to give with faith, expecting that God will make a way through. He's actually put these things there for us so that we can be fruitful and step into all he has for us. So I want to encourage you, as you give, be willing and obedient. Do it in faith, expecting. Let's give. I just had, as Philip was speaking, I just had um, a thought, and I, I think I blogged it last night, some of this thought. But, um, you know, we watched the Eagles game last night or yesterday afternoon, and, and uh, they're a fourth quarter, they're a neck at neck and, and we were like, oh, they're going to win and then somebody got a point and there was a goal in it and it was like down to the last two seconds of the game and then Nick Nat kicked a goal and our lounge erupted and there was yahooing. And, but, you know, I actually watched, was watching and we replayed it a couple of times <laughs> um, and um, what really struck me is, you know, the game wasn't won just then. That game was won uh, in the weeks and the years and the months, you know, and the time that those guys um, put into their training and to their fitness and to the muscles they use and to the mindset and the mental strength not to give up and just to keep on pushing in and to be on the offensive. That game was won years before. When they, each one of those guys made a decision, I'm just going to push. I'm going to push through. I'm going to break through. Even if it looks like it's all over, I'm not going to give up. And that's how it is with our spiritual walk. You know, a walk of faith has its ups and downs. It has its times where it just looks like it's all over and, there's, and it looks hopeless. But the walk of faith is in the times where we just will not give in where we just say, you know, I may be feeling terrible, but I'm going to worship you, God. I may not be bothered and I cannot. I feel like it's not making any difference, but I'll still read your word. I will still come and meet together with others and be encouraged and listen to that message again. It's in the, it's in the months 
and the and the hours and the effort and the time we put into being spiritually strong and flexing our faith muscles that the game is won and uh you know we we talk about being able to reach out and minister and to be able to pray for people and see breakthroughs and being able to see people saved and we all want that i don't know if there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to see god move and for him to use us but it's as philip was saying today it's in the preparation, it's in the training of our faith. It's in the training in the word and in his presence and, and training of listening when God directs you. That's where, that's where you win. That's where we win is in the preparation and the time and the effort before the big, the big yes, I've had a breakthrough. Or yes, something amazing happened. Or yes, this person got radically healed. It's in the training. And so I just want to encourage you, what Philip said, is that's where the fruit starts. That's where the fruit starts, is us just doing what we need to do day in, day out, because then God goes, good, you're ready. Go kick that goal. You know, Nick Nat, he's trained and he spent hours and hours, and we've been to the training days, and they just kick the ball over and over and over again. And that's what it has to be for us too, is that we just keep on doing the things we know to do because when that opportune time comes, God knows we're ready and he knows we've got the muscles to handle it and then you are going to kick the goal. You're going to be there to, to just bring that thing home. Amen? So don't get discouraged. Just let's keep on doing the things we know to do because at the opportune time we will reap a harvest, the word says. At the opportune time when you are ready and you've got that faith ready and you've got that word ready and you're overflowing at that opportune time, God will go, great, you move, you're the one and I can use you. And that's where we win. That's where we have the victory stories. It's in the training and preparation day in and day out. So tomorrow morning, get up and say, I'm going to win. I'm preparing myself because at the opportune time, I am available for God to use me. And then we will see greater exploits happen. Then we will see God use us. Then we will see the things that we see in the word and we're praying and believing for when we are prepared and ready. And it could be tomorrow. It could be tomorrow that God says, you're ready, go for it. It could be next week. The point is to be ready. It could be today when you walk out the door. The thing is to be ready, guys. Let's be ready and just do the things we know to do because that's what it means to fight the faith. That's what it means to walk this journey. And it can be an awesome journey. I mean, get a replay of that point because that was amazing. But it was in that man being prepared and ready and he just saw the opportunity. And I reckon it was a God thing, just quietly. He's a God. Well, he's a believer. He believes and, and, you know, God blesses the work of our hands. So just let's be ready and do the things we need to do. Amen? All right.